podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. In this week's episode, we sit down with James and Don, a wonderful married couple, to talk about what it means to be in the marriage thicket. And specifically, we look at sex in marriage and some of the struggles, the challenges, the crosses that can come up in that aspect of a marital relationship. Obviously, this is a very sensitive topic, and so we just want to encourage you to be discerning about where you're at as you consider listening to this episode. But we found it so edifying and illuminating, even for me, as a single person, there are so many universal aspects to the struggle of the call to lay your life down, to love others, to receive love from others, even when it is very challenging. So we just want to thank James and Don for being so generous and so courageous in sharing their particular journey with us. And we hope that you are blessed by this conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Good morning or afternoon or day, whatever you're, yeah, whatever you're listening. Uh, so we are super excited because we have a couple of very wonderful guests today. So we have James and Don Couts here with us. They are kind of, uh, well, Nicole and I know you guys from Winnipeg, from living in Winnipeg, and Rachel has uh, just met you, but it's really fun. It's so fun always to see, you know, familiar faces, especially people that you haven't seen for a long time. And it's just so, so nice. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I got to say, Aaron, when yeah. I heard that, uh, that when you invited us to come do this and I, and I realized Aaron has a podcast, I'm like, I should start listening to it. And I realized it was on suffering. And I realized did I, I cause this because I beat her in boggle so much. <laughs> oh, that, okay. Yeah. It's one of the, so I apologize. <laughs> like, honestly, still to this day, there's nobody that you, that, but you that can rival me in boggle. Like I, <laughs> we played it at Newman and I was like wiping the floor. And I mean, I'm not claiming, uh, super intelligence or anything i am claiming many hours of playing a boggle game on my cell phone that honed my boggle skills <laughs> my gosh this yeah. isn't going to talk about boggle in like a really long time <laughs> yeah I, know. I feel like my brain is like retrieving like boggle yeah. this game and i'm like oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's so good it's games, very it fun so, so fun story with that my family has this um like we call it cousins cup where all of my extended cousins we come together we rent a cabin for the weekend and we have like games everybody puts in you know 20 bucks or whatever and whoever wins the most points from all the games um That's awesome. yeah get like wins the cup you know very competitive super fun but also there's i mean there may be beer involved in the mix or you know like it's just an opportunity so so me we had boggle as one of the games and uh and yeah i like all my cousins wiped the floor with them totally it was very satisfying did you win the cup i i that was the only thing that i won oh, the no. entire weekend hey no that's but you but you won like that yeah, was yeah. like a decision. it's true yeah. it's true it's true although i have to say it was like the last game of the night so it was like there were like a you know, like one or two beers had per person and I was not drinking at all. So, you know, maybe that was a bit of an advantage, but yeah, <laughs> could be. that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So here is a fun question. So, 
um, to introduce all of our listeners to James and Don, one fun fact, they used to live in Winnipeg and they now live in a rural town in Manitoba. And so this is a question for everybody. What do you prefer? What's your preference, rural or urban? What's better? We can start with you, James and Don, because, yeah, because yeah. you guys have the... Well, we, I think by our choice of where we live, we've, we've loudly proclaimed, uh, <laughs> I, I come from small town Saskatchewan. And, uh, so this is, it's, it's nice to kind of get back to that sort of roots in, in the small town and uh, just, you know, the community and people are friendly and everyone, you see the same faces all the time. It, it's really, it's quite, it's quite, nice. and just the pace of life here is just slower. Mm. Uh, even the whole pandemic stuff. I mean, people are still safe, but no one, it's just not the, the kind of frenzy that you see in some of the cities. Yeah. Okay. So we got one vote for rural for sure. What about mm -hmm. you guys? And me too. Like I grew up in Winnipeg and Ottawa and I had my first experience with rural living was moving to St. Malo like three years ago mm -hmm. and I instantly fell in love with it. And I remember mm -hmm. like driving through little towns to Saskatchewan to visit James's family and thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice to live in a cute little town like this kids can run to the park and like have fun friends on the street to play with and stuff. And yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Like we're a block from the community center and the kids can play there summer, winter, fall and spring and you don't worry about them too much. Mm. <laughs> and um, people are friendly. I've gotten to know tons of people on the block and mm. I love how quiet it is. And I don't know, you just feel like there's less judging eyes if your kids are playing in the yard by themselves. And stuff like that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, I still remember even living in Regina when I was young, like it's like a city and it was like, just go outside, do whatever. And then when the streetlights come on, you just go home and it's, you know, but yeah, not so, not so anymore. Not so much now. No, yeah. no. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, I always feel a sense now when I leave Winnipeg, this like sense of relief, like, oh, okay. Mm. Just leaving it all behind. But <laughs> that's been my experience. That's yeah, true. That's true. Okay. So what about you guys, Nicole or Rachel? What do you think? I mean, so I grew up in Winnipeg and then I moved to Toronto and I live in like the middle of downtown Toronto now. Oh my. So I had, I'm like, have I ever lived in anywhere rural? I actually have. I lived in um, just outside of Waterloo, Ontario for like nine months uh, on an internship in like mm. 2013, 2014. So that was like my only experience. But like, it's interesting because I, you know, when I moved downtown Toronto, I loved, I loved it because it was like, oh, there's like all these things that I've always wanted to do, like swing dancing and I don't know, just like a lot of vibrancy in life and all this stuff. And I can walk anywhere. I don't even need a car. Like I can just get anywhere really fast and everything's close. And so I really liked that for the first little bit. But then I started to find it like kind of tiring. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like too much to do. Like I could be out doing something every night of the week mm. and there's no end in sight. And then it was funny because the pandemic hit and it was like, okay, all that shut down. And I was like, had this feeling of like, oh, thank goodness, you know? <laughs> so I'm not really sure where I, you know, I don't have enough uh, rural experience to, uh, mm -hmm. to know, but I, I think that like, I like, you know, 
I like I like the vibrancy of like city life, but probably not for many more years. <laughs> so, right. I don't know. We'll see. You know. Okay. All right. How about you, Rachel? I'm going to go, I'm going to be that person that like picks a choice that's not on the list. And I'm going to go probably suburbs <laughs> because <laughs> I think, cause I, I, I grew up in cities. I grew up in really big cities and in apartments and things like that. And I never liked it. Like even like, I didn't know any different, but I never really liked living in an apartment, for example. Like I like living in a house and I like having trees around and stuff like that. I've never lived like totally rural. Um, but I think, I think why suburbs for me is because I like, I do like a lot of people. And so I do like the idea of small town, everybody knowing each other, but I also like the idea of like meeting lots of new people, a lot of, you know, just all the time and things like that. And so I like having access to the city, but not living in it. And I like having green and then I like having a lot of people. I feel like Mm. suburbs just fits that. So I think okay. I'm all right. So that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's going right out there, not even on the choice list. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. I would have to say, I kind of also am like, a, a, like I would say small town, but like moderately small. So not small enough that Mrs. Potter from two doors down knows that at 908, Aaron got out of bed and at 912, Aaron had a cup of coffee. 914, she walked to the mailbox. Like, you know, like that, like that small is a little small for me, but living in, cause my dad dad was in the RCMP. So we moved like all over the place and living in Fort Quapal, Saskatchewan or um, like Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, like those were like, Yarmouth was a bit bigger, but those are pretty great. Cause you could walk a lot of places. Um, yeah. Like it's like one high school. So it, you know, you know, all the kind of kids there, but then there's still enough to do that. Mrs. Potter can mind her own business, you know? So <laughs> that's, that's like my preference. Mrs. Potter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not sure why I picked Mrs. Potter. Classic Potter. That's yeah. right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So we'll post this on uh, social media and see what, what the um, consensus of the listeners is. What's your preference? Urban or rural? That's or suburbs. Or suburbs. Okay. We could add. You add can be boring options. and be suburban. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But would you like a scale? Like, what's your yeah. scale? You know, mm. urban, rural, that'll be yeah. good. It's a spectrum. That's right. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. It's a spectrum of living preferences. That's right. Um, okay, good. So we wanted to start out uh, by just asking you guys to share a little bit about your, like, you're married to each other. So what, how did that happen? Um, what does your family look like now? Just a little bit about you for introduction. Well. We met in 1997 on a group called the Challenge Team, which was an organization that toured Canada for six weeks every spring. And they would speak to high schools, youth groups about chastity, just from uh, a common sense, sort of natural law, non-religious viewpoint whatsoever. And that that perspective where you're just talking about the reasons why it makes sense just in your brain without opening up a Bible or anything like that uh, got us into a lot of schools that otherwise wouldn't have... Um, entertained that sort of message Mm -hmm. and the whole purpose of the challenge team was just to give people um, a broader perspective on another choice another way to to live as sexual beings and it was uh, each year i went on it in 95 don went on it in 96 and then in 97 when we went together uh, we met each each of those experiences was just so rich and full uh, for us Um, at the end of that tour 
six weeks or so, uh, close quarters with each other. Uh, the two of us were on a team in, in Western Canada and you get to know your, your teammates really well when you go through an intense experience like that, especially when it's one that covers a, a deep and intimate topic. Uh, we, we realized that we had a mutual attraction at the end of that, uh, at the end of that tour. And unlike other organizations where you're not allowed to, to date for X amount of time after an encounter, uh, they, they had no rules. So we're like, okay, we're dating now. <laughs> and uh, then Don wanted to go work for the challenge team in their office in Ottawa for a year, just to volunteer and, and be part of that, uh, the, the culture of the team as, as they were setting up different tours. And she ended up organizing an Ireland tour in that time as well. At that point, I had nothing else going on in my life. And I had a serious girlfriend. I'm, I, I'm just going to follow where she goes. So I, uh, I followed her. And that's where our romance really blossomed went through the the crucible and uh, that's where we proposed uh, where i proposed and she that was in ottawa that yeah. we were living um, then, together but separately like i was in a girl's household and james mm -hmm. was in a guy's household and... and we were married by the the venerable father bob bedard july 10th oh i didn't know that also july 10th is my birthday so I now know that yeah oh, right i totally forgot that we had the same thing so that's <laughs> <laughs> exciting also in all of that james was like free methodist at first and then he converted to catholicism mm -hmm. at the beginning of our relationship there was things like that he would say like well i could almost go out with dawn except for she's catholic so mm -hmm. there, there was um some heart conversion that had to happen first before a relationship happens and that's mm -hmm. a story for another podcast yeah <laughs> but yeah i think like oh and now we've been married how many years 22 this 22 this wow. it's hard to keep track after a while and we have eight children and we're expecting our ninth and so well, we have congratulations a lot of water has passed under the bridge mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh but yeah, it's like relating back to this topic that we're talking about, like um, I feel like we had a really unique start in our relationship because we were talking about sexuality to students and we were really asked to be personal about like our own experiences as teammates and like, why do you practice chastity? What has been your experience? Have you had a conversion of any sort kind of thing? Mm -hmm. So stuff that wouldn't normally come up in a relationship maybe for years we were talking about within like weeks of meeting each other mm -hmm. and even like things about like what's your position on contraception or child spacing or mm. size of family stuff like that like we were talking about that right away so yeah that's so interesting yeah and that's like that was definitely when we were looking at kind of episode topics and things was something that that kind of really stood out for us in terms of the way we talk about sex, because there's such a beautiful, beautiful and rich and like full teaching on human sexuality in, in the Catholic church. Right. Um, and, but sometimes it can be like, it's so beautiful and it's so, you know, good that it sometimes it can kind of like, um, when you mash that up with the reality of sex in marriage or taking in to marriage, like the things that you take in, you know, like these dreams of how it will be or, or, or um, even, even sometimes I think people in terms of like purity culture can then see sex as like either bad or something, you know, mm -hmm. um, like there's all kinds of things that 
that can be like a difficult or painful transition when you go into marriage. And so because you guys have have kind of spoken on this before, like you shared a lot, you know, different talks and things like that about your experience of going into marriage and the different things that you came in with and, you know, the pain of it, the growth of it, the joy of it, all those kind of things. Um, yeah, we were excited to really hear from you about this to see. So obviously, this is definitely a personal topic. So we will let you set whatever boundaries you feel are appropriate in terms of talking about like a marital intimacy. Um, but yeah, we can just start we can just start with that, like, even what your experience was kind of being chastity speakers and talking about those things, and then what it was like kind of going into marriage. Um, and maybe where the the ideals or the things that you were thinking about or or um, hoping for or whatever, like what the reality was and what that was like. The challenge team really like helped me grow as a person. And I think if I hadn't had that experience, I would have been like, maybe afraid, like felt really like mm. ca cautious, anxious about this all, like not really sure what I would know or feel, but like just being amongst these young people that were constantly talking about like sexuality being such a beautiful gift and like how we want to treasure it and share it with someone special and like looking forward to it. I don't know that like helped me to mature and have a like less shy outlook about it, I guess. And, mm. uh, and like, and even definitely an openness that I think is super helpful and important in marriage and probably not often there. Like, I imagine that there's a lot of people that, okay, so in our culture, I don't know, like kids are having sex when they're like young teenagers. So mm -hmm. I don't know if we're speaking to people that have had that experience who've been sexually active from a young age or else people who have practiced chastity or some other form of purity, saving themselves for marriage, whatever, um, and are living in that and looking forward to marriage. There's a whole like range of people there, but um you know, kids, like they watch movies of like, you fall in love, you kiss on the first date, and then you mm -hmm. like go to bed together and it's magical and everything works out perfectly. Whereas in reality, you know, it's pretty awkward the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, can be painful even, you know, so like, I, where is that taught? I don't think that's taught, is it? Not really. <laughs> yeah. Everything everything is disnified in terms of it just being simple and glorious and happily ever after. Mm -hmm. But that happily ever after comes at the end of a Disney princess story. Mm. That that's that's a full lifetime of learning to live with each other and learning to love uh, selflessly and to you know, put up with. She puts the knives in the dishwasher upside down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's. There's so much more. But there's so much more. Like, mm. okay, so I feel like we sort of have to talk about stages of our relationship. Because like at the mm. beginning, like for people that are looking at just getting married, I don't know what's it going to be like. I Like I was lucky to have a few good friends through that movement, the challenge team that I was able to speak frankly with. And I was like living with a family, young married family with like one kid or whatever at that time. Mm. And I was like, okay, what's it like? Like, <laughs> tell me about it, you know? And she was able to be like, frank with me like what the experience of the first time is like what can make it easier and stuff mm. and then one of our friends recommended this like tape that we listened to it was dr, dr. ed, ed Wheat. <laughs> it was like <laughs> about your wedding night <laughs> describing the technical details <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the name dr who ed wheat 
Ted Wheat, okay. We, we listened to this tape on the drive to our honeymoon location, and it was awesome. memorable. That's so <laughs> funny. Okay, I just want to go listen to that just for the just for the giggle factor. I think. So I feel like you you kind of maybe need some mentorship of someone who's like I don't know. Mm. I guess I guess people just have sex and go into it blind too, and it works out, but. <laughs> yeah that's true I think that's really is a thing though like um even some friends of mine I can I can think like as the wedding day is like come like coming and then it's the realization of that you're going to be like fully naked with another human being (laughs) who you're not related to for the first time in your life and like the the um like what made it easier in your in your relationship beforehand for that to be like an awkwardness that was not insurmountable or like maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what that was like for you, but, but Mm. what helped in your relationship before? I found that just as you grow closer as a dating couple and as an engaged couple and the wedding date approaches, we found that the physical desire grew. and I mean, that that's a natural thing that, that happens in relationships specifically to help people procreate. And that's, that's a good mm-hmm. thing. But the, um, when it came time for the wedding night, uh, the, it was, there was, there was minimal awkwardness. It was just, mm-hmm. this is, we, we've been living up to this moment, preparing for this, like, and the, and the wedding preparation that we went through with the, with the parish was phenomenal just a great program and like we i think we kind of overwhelmed the couple that was leading us through it with how how deep <laughs> we went but it was great it was almost like it was almost like the program had been designed by looking at every single annulment in the history of time and finding the reasons wow. and then creating a program based on those have you wow. discussed this wow. have you discussed this so it, it was it was in depth very uh, very helpful so it helped us even discussing things about sexuality and, and uh, you mm-hmm. know preferences and you know understanding as well uh, church teaching and humanae vitae properly mm-hmm. and everything that went into that so like we by the grace of god we did it right uh, and, uh, for those who um, you know come into it with more wounds than we did and everyone has their wounds mm-hmm. um there's there's always healing uh, and like god can work with anything if you give him permission that's father mm-hmm. bob's line right give god permission that's and right yeah so we we surrendered our sexuality and uh, our sex life as a married couple mm-hmm. early on like day one and uh, said whatever you want lord uh, we will do mm-hmm. and he's like here's nine kids and we're like okay <laughs> one at a time please <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have any twins? Was it one at a time? Did he keep it to one at a time? One at a time. Yeah. unless this yeah. one's unless this one's twins a twin, right, right. yeah 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 that's right oh my goodness yeah and it's it's interesting even the um like speaking about wounds right what was that experience like for you kind of the like the wounds that you each carried into marriage and kind of having those come up against each other or learning how to love each other in those things because i think that is like a universal i'm imagining experience mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for marriage you know in this culture, especially, it's so, I would say, nigh impossible 
to come into marriage without any sexual wounds because the the world certainly has a way of looking at sexuality and uh, i mean i'll i'll maybe shock everyone with this but as a guy i struggled with porn and masturbation mm-hmm. um i'm sure you know what if there's a guy out there that hasn't struggled with that i'd like to meet you because I just, I need to congratulate you. That's amazing. Um, I think it's, it's, that's an ear universal struggle. It, and it really tainted my expectations. Um, and it's not even something that like, I'd say for the first six months of our marriage, it wasn't a struggle. And I was like, Oh, I've been healed. Yay. Real sex helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but then, you know, the stress of marriage, the, and the honeymoon phase wears off and, and then you run into some conflicts and you start rubbing each other the wrong way. And, and I began to realize my body has been conditioned to need this, um, emotional release that I've accustomed it to for, you know, a solid near decade before, before mm-hmm. marriage. And, uh, that it's, it's a, it's, it's always a struggle. It has its ups and downs. Uh, lately I've experienced a lot of great healing from that, but I know it's, it's never something that I'm going to be able to let my guard down on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also something that I've in our openness with each other, I've needed to be very, uh, upfront and frank with Dawn about, uh, about my struggle. And it hasn't been a, an easy thing for her to endure or to, to hear or to tolerate, but I, I believe she understands to a, to a fair degree, uh, all the things that have gone into that. Mm. It's definitely, um, tough for a wife to like wrap their minds around like, Oh, he's like looking at someone else or like, and then what sort of feelings does that bring up in you? Do you feel inferior because of that? Or, um, and like, even just, I don't know, you can swing from being like, kind of, well, whatever, just go do your own thing to like, no, how come you're not choosing me? And like, or even feeling like this is like adultery, basically, because that's what Jesus Mm -hmm. said in the Bible, you know, like, and what sort of woundedness is that bringing into our relationship? And how do I bring forgiveness into that picture? Um, I've found myself, like, I sort of struggle more with the emotional aspects of the, um, like the particulars of that habit kind of thing, because I am a very social extroverted person who craves community and craves connection. Mm -hmm. James is an introvert, but also in this struggle, like it's, he's turning to himself to soothe, comfort himself. And that's hurtful more than the physical aspect of what he's doing. It's just this like loneliness of like, no, I want the connection with you. Like, or even like if he were to spend a lot of time on electronics or reading or doing whatever, like on his own, like that sort of reignites that desire of like, no, I, I, how come you're not choosing me kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. which is, goes back to like the physical thing that's happening. So Mm-hmm. that's how it's been hard for me that's and there's been i mean she's been gracious in forgiving and i know that's not an easy thing to just forgive and we've needed a lot of prayer and counseling uh through that and, and counseling is so tough too like oh, we yeah. were going to someone that we thought was catholic well she said she was and then when we brought up pornography and masturbation she was like well which one of you has a problem with that and i was like which one um, of you thinks it's wrong which one of you thinks it's wrong and i'm like um oh. isn't this harmful <laughs> for a marriage like kind of as an absolute thing <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah. and i mean tough. the message up there like i've had doctors tell me oh yeah keep doing it it's good for you i'm like yeah. uh no <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. And it strikes me too as um, like when you're thinking about the attack on marriage, like the good of marriage, what it images, you know, like um, like the relationship of Christ and the church, um, what it calls us to, like how it images the Trinity, the beauty that it conveys and all of those things, then obviously, yeah, it's going to be like a prime one of the prime attack places of the evil one in the mm -hmm, world right like sure, if he can yeah. destroy the family then he can destroy the world and um and so in that attack on family yeah it also totally strikes me as um as like that porn has been such uh like had such a huge rise i mean with the digital age and all of those kind of things um but that but that it's like a struggle in I would say probably the vast majority of marriages, right? Like, I mean, Catholic, if you're actually struggling, like you're actually saying, yes, porn is bad and right. it's not good for people, then, you know, um, but especially because of the shame aspect, right? Like, especially because of the, because of the, yeah, like he's, the evil one is just so good at like flipping, you know, and being like, look at this you need this because you're hurt or like whatever and then immediately after of like flipping and being like look what you did like look who, or either way like where however that goes in marriage you know like that that um like wherever there's a temptation to hide ourselves from from someone this is speaking to somebody who's married to jesus so like he knows everything so i don't i don't know what i'm talking about at all but like but like i i feel that sometimes even with him like the like the the because i have shame about something then it's like this temptation to want to hide myself and i have to like actively call, like speak into that lie and be like no this is not from this is not from you you know yeah like how do, how does that work with you guys sorry i was just sort of thinking of something else yeah while no, you're no, talking go. so um go with I yours should been, go i should have been actively listening better but i was just thinking about girls too and like women like it's becoming more and more of a problem for women and it's only become evident to me in that in that some of my teenage daughters have said oh i've struggled with masturbation and like the ones you would least likely suspect mm -hmm. and then they're like how come you didn't talk to me about this and i was like ah i didn't struggle with it so i didn't think it would be an issue i was you know worried about it being a problem with the boys more than you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So well, I didn't say that, but, um, but yeah, it's just sort of a wake up call that it's important to be open to all of our children about this and like from quite an early age and yet not so early that you're giving them the idea. It's really tough to know when to talk about it. And I've like, mm -hmm. it's interesting because we were chastity speakers and spoke so openly to kids of all like teenagers or 12 and up grade, even some grade five and six kids. Um, but now I find it's like an awkward thing to talk to my children about. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's tough. I don't know. <laughs> Part of it's when you're in presentation mode, it's like the kids are gathered there for you to mm -hmm. hear this talk. And if they don't go, they get marked absent, right? <laughs> this is like, we have to create time with our children to, uh, A, to, to build relationship to the point where there is mutual uh, trust and vulnerability. Uh, and then, and then B, time to actually just have that discussion. Um, one of the things that we do is uh, like we have what we call daddy date days where I take out one kid once a week and we just go for ice cream or something. And we don't even necessarily have an agenda. Uh, we just, we're just with each other, right? Um, I heard someone say that the, uh, you can't create quality time 
without quantity of time. And mm-hmm. so it, it just comes down to you just invest in your kids, you create the relationship. And, uh, and then when those odd moments come up, when you're not expecting them, then you can, you can, you can have a teaching moment and it might just be 30 seconds in the middle of a two hour conversation about something mm-hmm. that, that sticks with them. Speaking of kids and the tr- struggle and the sort of pain and suffering that that might bring to marriage and like how that interferes with sexual relationships too, is like, uh, we use natural family planning. So despite the fact that it looks like we just have kids whenever we actually have been spacing them out, like we got married when I was 22 and now I'm 40, almost 44. And I probably could have had a baby every year and a half or so. So, mm. <laughs> um, but, um, practicing natural family planning brings like challenges to marriage too, especially from like the female perspective, because literally the time of the month that you're most interested and wanting to have sex is the time that you have to abstain. So Mm. that's tough. And it's like tough to be like, okay, now we can do it. I don't really feel like it, but I better like put it out there because this is our window, you know? And I don't know, like, having lots of kids, being overwhelmed, being exhausted, being stressed out, like um, just being touched out by your kids and you get to the end of the day and I'll be like early in the day. Oh yeah, we should do it tonight. I should like make an opportunity for that. It sounds, you know, (laughs) and as the day wanes on, I'm like, I don't know if I could do it. (laughs) And by the end of the day, I'm like, I just want to sleep more than anything in the whole world, (laughs) you know? And that's been, that's been difficult because I mean, I'm wired differently because I'm male. And if uh, if she looks at me with, you know, uh, that kind of out of the corner of her eye, it can be like, oh, you know, I'm ready. <laughs> but uh, for her, it takes such a such a wind up. And so many things have to uh, have to have gone well throughout the day. It's not like like for me, it, it's an emotional release and, and a way to. Um, a way to kind of put a positive cap on the end of my day. But for her, it's, it's something that, you know, if she's going to build up to this, her day has to go well. So we're kind of coming from opposite perspectives. And that's been part mm. of the, the intimacy uh, growth and, and learning to, to love each other and to make sacrifices. There are times when I know that she sacrifices uh, for me. And there's times when I need to say, okay, it's just not going to happen. And, and that's okay. And it's the real difficulty there. Uh, is not being bitter uh, for me, uh, not saying again. She turned me down. Blah blah blah. I have a right to this. Blah blah blah. You know? Yeah. Um, but recognizing that above all, she's a person. She's my wife, and our our, our marriage is more than sex. Uh, despite what the society would tell us, there's it just has to be yeah. uh, because there will there comes a time in every marriage, whether it's just through the monthly abstinence through NFP or through illness or, or distance, there just comes a time when you just, you just can't. Or having a baby. Hey, did you know you can't have sex after you have a baby for a while? <laughs> like there's an actual, you know, couple months that it's off the table kind of thing. So yeah, those are surprising things that yeah. come up, but, and then even after that time's up, like, depending how often your baby's waking up at night and where your baby's sleeping. Like some people have their babies in their beds with them. We don't, but I imagine that really puts a damper on their intimacy for the first year or two of their life. Like, <laughs> so um, yeah, there's many dynamics that would make it like super difficult to, for things to happen. And like, I, I don't know, our sort of like back and forth struggle thing is like, 
I will have this thing and I'll get anxious. I'll get like actual like anxiety as the end of the day approaches. Like I can't, I can't, I don't think I can do it. And I just like, my stomach is in knots and I might start Mm. breathing deeply. And I'm just like, and I think lately, like my age has something to do with it. Like I probably have changing hormones. I started looking Mm. into it after talking to a few friends and saying like, I like don't ever want to have sex now. And it, it makes me super anxious and like, what's going on? And like, and so they suggested checking out hormones. So I went and saw a naturopath and I was, dealing with that for a couple of months and then we got pregnant. So <laughs> I guess we won't figure out that problem for now, but like literally yeah. your hormones can make you not want to have sex. And then how does that, like, no matter how nice and servant and loving things James does for me all day. And like, I could still be like, you know, and, and then there's like, your physical attractions might change throughout the years and like, or you might ha- just be going through an emotionally stressful time and you're so worn down that it's just like something you can't wrap your head around. So then if I'm like rejecting James enough, like day after day or whatever, not times that he initiates or whatever. And then finally I'll be like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'll initiate. Sometimes he will at that point just be like so closed off because he's been rejected over and over again. And it, and then it, it makes me feel like, oh, is he just like being mean back to me because trying to make me feel like how I've made him feel. And then it creates this huge fight. And then we're up to like two or three in the morning and they're like, mm. you know, crying, ever crying in bed. And then, <laughs> and then I'm like, we have to do it because we have to get through this and not be mad at each other for a week or whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> But there was like literally a time like this combination of like the hormones and the exhaustion and the stress that I started to feel like I would just be happier if we just didn't do it anymore. Like this is causing too much pain and stress. Mm. And when I mentioned that to James, that caused like huge pain to him because that's like the number one way that he felt loved. And yet, so I don't, I don't know what would have been the right thing to do. Like he was sort of like, you shouldn't say those things. It's just so hurtful. And I'm like, yes, but this is like this huge turmoil thing inside of me that like, this is how bad it feels that I would just rather go without for the rest of my life than deal with this drama that we go through, you know? So, yeah. And this is where the grace of the sacrament of marriage has just been so meaningful for us. Uh, to the, the profundity of, of the vows that we made, uh, which are, we, we try to recite them to each other fairly regularly. Profundity? Yeah. What is that word? Means, oh, they're profound. Okay. Yes, it means profoundness. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Love it. Like See, words. Boggle. 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 Coming right back to it. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the vow that we made, good times and bad, sickness and health, uh, love and honor, all the days of my life, That's it means something. Like uh, Rush Limbaugh had a saying, he said, words mean things, which sounds silly, but there's, it's kind of deep. Like when you when you say something that has power, and when we say those words in our vow, uh, under the grace of the sacrament, with the blessing of the church, in a in a state of grace, like that means something. That creates something eternal and invisible that's tangible in our marriage, in our in our bodies, as Christopher West would say, mm. and it's being able to rely on that grace and to know that through a hard time like that, that God is good. And this isn't the end of anything. This is, this is just a continuation. It's, it's part of the peak and valley experience of marriage of life. Mm. We went through a really 
rough spot in our marriage a few years ago. Like, when did we go in Cana? Was that three or four years ago? About three years ago. Three years ago, we went on this marriage retreat called Cana, which mm-hmm. I would highly recommend. And uh, leading up to that point, we were just like, yeah, growing very distanced, growing cold to each other. And there was a lot of pain and hurt that was coming between the two of us. And in that, like James said, there's power in words, but even like in your thoughts, like I would have this temptation and this thought that I'd entertain, which was, I think I made a mistake. Like God actually didn't want us to get married. And, um, and yeah, I would like entertain that. And on this retreat, I had mentioned that to a priest who had come to facilitate the retreat for us. And he like, looked at me right dead in the eyes and he's like, that's a lie from Satan and you need to refute it every time it comes up. Like just, no, like, no, you cannot be thinking that. And um, he led me through like forgiving James, forgiving my parents, forgiving James's parents. Like, cause even like my mom, she didn't want us, she was worried about us getting married too young, irresponsible, blah, blah, blah. Kind of fought against us getting married right up until the very point that we got married. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, once we were married, I was like, oh, my mom was right about all these things about James. Like all these thoughts, you know, would pop in my head. And this priest said, have you forgiven your mom for putting those lies in your mm-hmm. head? Like you need to do that, right? So. And her mom is great. Yeah, like, like, she had the best of intentions, but I needed to forgive her for that, like, yeah. lie that sort of came through her mouth without her knowing it, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, so anyways, in this retreat, and then we, like, also, like, had to, there was, the first few days of the retreat were just, like, hell, like, I was crying all the time, I was like, mm-hmm. when will this be over, get me out of here, and, um, <laughs> it was pretty awful, <laughs> <laughs> it was a week long it was a too. week long yeah so you and go with your kids there you go uh, with your whole family they have programming for the kids and then you have these really in-depth sessions where first you listen and then you write to each other and then you share the writings with each other and then mm. over and over and over again and so mm. <laughs> i was like okay I, I feel like there should be a resurrection coming at the end of all this dying but i I don't know when it's going to come and I don't know how much longer I can handle it. And then there was this one day where the scene was on forgiveness. And instead of like saying like, Oh, you hurt me doing this, 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 you need to forgive me for this. The question was, what do I need to forgive? What do I need to ask you for forgiveness for? So just kind of like flipped it around. And it, because we were both doing it at the same time, it gave us an opportunity to really like think about how have I hurt my spouse and what do I need to seek forgiveness for? And for the first time I was able to apologize for things that had been hurting James. And the first time he felt free and safe to apologize for things too. And then that was like the pivotal moment of changing of everything. And then it was so amazing how like in our relationship, the change and how that reflected in our sexuality. Like I went from like never wanting to have sex to like wanting to have sex many times in a day. (laughs) Like, but it it didn't always... It doesn't, it doesn't always course it doesn't always correspond that way like sometimes sometimes you can feel deeply in love for each other and still the sexuality part isn't there but a lot of mm-hmm. times it really is a reflection of like what your other parts of your relationship are like mm-hmm. for sure yeah there's doesn't that make sense like that just that like computes you know it's like it's it shouldn't be news to us that that's true but it's so somehow it is news to us I think in our culture like oh that sex is actually connected to all the other parts of your relationship and the whole of how you love each other you know it's like 
but it it is almost like a foreign <laughs> concept, I think, because in our yeah. culture, those two things have been so dissociated. Um, yeah, yeah for even sure. for Catholics, I think, even in our minds, like we think of sex more in an isolated context sometimes than in connected to everything else. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Yeah. There's definitely an echo of Puritanism that has worked its way through I think Western society and the Catholic Church has kind of uh, fallen into that. And this this idea that sex is something, you know, bad, maybe biologically necessary, but no, nothing certainly that that's pure or that can draw mm. us close to, to God even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like how, listening to Christopher West has re- and like learning about the theology of the body has really like opened my eyes and like, oh, wow, there's like so much more depth to it. And this is like giving us like the teeniest little foretaste of like what heaven will be like kind of thing is, mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Anyways, Nicole, yeah. what did you see? Yeah. So I'm just thinking about, and I think this is kind of what you guys have already going to getting at, but you know, for, for young people thinking about, um, you know, maybe who are, are not married yet, but are desiring marriage, but also, you know, the reality of, of pornography that is, I think in most relationships, that's a struggle. And, um, and then, you know, so what you guys are talking about, just like kind of the ups and downs of marriage and the, and the challenges, um, or maybe even, you know, young people who are, are recently married and are encountering all of this and are kind of like, what, <laughs> you know, um, because of our sort of the, the, the clash with the Disney-fied expectations or whatever. Um, what is the, what is the hope or what is the, um, like, why do it? Why get married? Why bother? You know, if there's all of the struggle, um, what, uh. Yeah, what would you say to to someone who's sort of thinking about that? And I'm going to just be honest and be like, those are thoughts that come in my head sometimes where I'm like, why? Why would I put myself through marriage? Because it sounds tough, you know? Um, <laughs> and there's and there's fears there. And of course, and there's stuff that can, like you, Don, you're talking about like stuff that comes from parents or whatever it is, right? Like we've all got all of this stuff. And I just think that right now it's, um, yeah, that can be a really tough thing. So yeah, what would you say to that? We have some friends here who got married quite young, like 18 and 20 or something like that. They were still in school and, uh, but they're, and they've had a very good marriage now. They've been probably 15 years or so. And, uh, but they got a lot of flack from their families, from their friends uh, when they were getting married that young. Um, And I went up to them and said, you guys, you know, you're young. Uh, You got your whole lives ahead of you. You're, You're in the middle of a bunch of stuff that, isn't done yet like um I, i'll tell you right now if you get married it's going to be it's going to be hard it's going to be painful there's going to be times when you wondered if you made the right choice and uh i'll say if if you wait you know three four five years and get married then it's going to be hard and it's going to be a struggle and there's going to be times when you wondered if you made the right choice <laughs> So I say go for it now while you're young and you got the energy. Just picture it. <laughs> yeah. I would say too that like, why do this? It's like, because Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And how did he love us? He like went through torture and died for us. You know, like that's our whole, that's our reason of being on this earth. Dang so <laughs> if you look at the crucifixion scene, you're like, yeah, I guess it could handle marriage, you know, <laughs> like, mm. but sometimes it feels, yeah, it feels like that. And you're just like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I can't do this, you know, but it's, it's what we're put on in this life for. Like, we're not here to just, um, 
have an easy fun life like and um it's interesting we were listening to uh father mike schmidt's homily recently and he was talking about like red martyrs and white martyrs and how like red martyrs they were like it's obvious like someone was like are you a christian they're like yeah and then they get killed you know like they get killed for their faith white martyrs are people who just like die to self every day little by little and throughout your whole life and that's how you achieve your martyrdom you know and Mm -hmm. um he was like listing off all these stories, you know, like brave hero saints, whatever. And I'm like, I don't think I have that in me to be like that kind of like, so brave that I would literally put my life on the line like that. And then I was like, but maybe I'd be brave enough to have another baby. Mm. <laughs> and like just this idea of like, I guess I could be open to life one more time. And then shortly thereafter that I got pregnant, but it's, it, what for me was a real fear. Like I still have sort of traumatic memories of my last birth. And in the middle of that birth saying to James was like pleading eyes. I don't think I can ever do this again. Mm. And now I'm going to be doing it again, <laughs> but I'm also not being tortured and slaughtered for my faith. Mm. So, you know, like kind of like puts in perspective, like how are you going to lay your life down? How are you going to give your life for Jesus? Mm-hmm. Which is such a, which is such a good thing just to say and name, like, because they're, it's this idea of suffering, right? Like, this is what we talk about all the time. Like, everybody suffers, everybody goes through significant suffering in their, in their life. And it's not like salvation is not salvation without the cross. Like the Lord is there inviting us to, yeah, learn the good that can come from suffering when it's united with his suffering and like, and how, like it's how we get to the resurrection and all of those kind of things. But, but it's true. Like, I think we have a romanticized vision of a lot of things like marriage or I did for like consecrated life. I, you know, that that's still like, we have to, and it's not until you kind of get into it that you like see actually like what the meat and potatoes of that suffering looks like but i think also even like glimpses of what resurrection looks like in that too so maybe that's like the Mm -hmm. the last question we could ask you guys is like what is that what has that looked like for you like these little resurrections like how have you kind of experienced that in your marriage like i would say one resurrection would be that cana retreat and then we have like a honeymoon phase for like six months after that or something and then and even being pregnant now yeah like there's there's fear in that, but there's also joy in that. And um, and even all the hurt that we've caused each other and the forgiveness that we've uh, extended and received and the reconciliation there, it's just, it hits me every time that we go through one of those things yeah. that we're, we're both struggling. We're both sinners. We, we suffer together, but not in a way that we can, like our suffering doesn't coincide, coincide to the point where we're actually like leaning on each other. We're, we're actually causing each other to suffer more through our suffering sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's just where it comes back to the grace and the, the power of the sacrament and knowing we're not the first people to suffer, not the first people to struggle in marriage. And that there is, there's always hope and there's always healing. Like anytime that I encounter friends or neighbors that are going through struggles in their marriage and in the process of breaking up, I'm like, oh, you guys, I wish, I so wish that you could experience the healing that I have. And you, you might look at my marriage as someone who's, whose marriage is falling apart and think, oh, I could never have what they have. 
but like I, it has not been easy. We have had so many struggles and it's so easy in today's world just to call it quits and move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And that that's a lie from hell that, that that's, that that's even a thing. Um, not that people who have taken that step are irredeemable by any means, but God's, God's example of forgiveness to us, even looking at how he forgave the people of Israel through their centuries and millennia of idolatry, uh, his covenant love is our model, is our, our example, and it involves being hurt. It's a requirement uh, that we're going to be hurt and uh, learn to forgive and, and move on through that. And even in raising children, too, there's been so many peaks and valleys of like moments where you feel so proud of your children. And then there's other moments where you're like, there's years that are just like, this is hell. And will it ever go back to what it was supposed to be? Like, we've had a daughter who struggled with self-harm and suicidal thoughts and depression. And that was like a solid two years of really just tough, tough, tough times with her and journeying with her. We have another daughter who was like going through rebellious behavior, drinking and smoking and partying. And like when you have like a really good Catholic homeschooling friend who's like, oh, I don't want your daughter hanging out with my daughter because she might be a bad influence on her. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. and I'm like, yeah. I need your daughter to be a good friend to my daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, yeah, there's been times with our children that things that they've done or that um, they've gone through that we never (laughs) imagined or saw coming that were like wow how can we go through that and then but eventually you pull through and I don't know like there's couples out there that have been through like so much harder and I hope and pray and plead God that we don't go through stuff like this but there's kids that wander for their faith from their faith for years or maybe they like transgender to something else or you know like mm-hmm. just totally cut off communication with you and like like there's many ways that suffering comes through your children too and so far we've had like redemption and resurrection after not too long of a period although it feels like long when you go through it mm-hmm. and then yeah in our marriage too like the same things has happened where there's been like really amazing joyful times and then there's other times where you're just like you want to give up you wish that you yeah (laughs) yeah I so appreciate like I've just been like listening and absorbing and I'm not married not dating right now and like any like that's not even in like my immediate future but I just feel like for me there the the reality of what it takes to be in communion with people is such a universal reality obviously very uniquely lived out in marriage but Mm -hmm. you know I, I feel like some of the things that you're saying, it's just, that's just what it means to be a disciple. It just, it's what it means to follow the Lord and to love, like, and you've said that so much in in what you've talked about. And I think that like, that's where, you know, like Nicole, you asked the question, like, why, why do it? But I think, I think it's, yeah, suffering is universal. Like the peaks and valleys of life always have to do, I think with how we are able to receive love and give love and the barriers that are there and the wounds that are there that we experience in whatever our primary relationships are that God calls us to. And Mm -hmm. that that is always painful because we are sinful and broken and wounded. And like Mm -hmm. the process of becoming healed, the process of like really the white martyrdom of like 
okay, when I hopefully die and close my eyes, I step into heaven, that that whole peeling away of all the things that don't belong in heaven and all the things that are keeping me from the love of God is really what you've been speaking about. And I think for me, I sometimes feel like, you know, it's so cool because you guys are chastity speakers and that's kind of what you, you've done in your life and what, one of the things that you've done in your life. And sometimes I feel like that group of, of speaking is, is curated to very specific kinds of messages, which makes sense, but we don't really hear just real, real, you know, stuff. And it's not even about how hard marriage is. It's just like, oh, you're just sharing your walk as disciples and like how God has been pulling you more and more to himself and to each other. And the reality of that, that's just, it's just real, you know? And I think we need to have, I'm so grateful for this conversation because I think we need more conversations like that of just the mentorship of, of, of other disciples who have learned how to love because the Lord has shown you because your life you know, has happened mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. real. Um, and it's not like hype, it's not about like, well, if you're, you know, cause for me, like we're all on this podcast, like I'm in my thirties, we're all like women who have lived in different ways and, and, and we're not really looking. And I think there's a whole group of young adults who aren't necessarily looking for, you know, the chastity talk anymore. Cause we've heard it and we know it and we're, hmm. we're good with that, but we're kind of <laughs> looking for like, what, what is, the, how do you live this? Whatever this is, if you're single or you're married or like, how do you live hmm. this like hard thing of like following Jesus and loving others and, and healing and all of that. And I think married couples have so much to share about that, that we don't really hear that often. So I'm just Mm -hmm. super pumped. So thank you for just sharing everything. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It actually makes me, um, just thank you. Just thank you for sharing so openly because I do think that there's something that resonates in us with, um, you know, when Pope Benedict said, we're not creative, we're not made for comfort, we were made for greatness. Um, Mm -hmm. There's something that resonates. And there has like, hearing the challenge of marriage, like the real challenge of marriage and loving and dying to yourself every day, like there's something in that, that even we're drawn to at the same time mm-hmm. as it being so like difficult, you know, and even hearing like about the grace and about the reliance on the vows and the, and the things like that, like that, that's, that, that's, um, that it's possible, you know, that it's possible, but also that it's the, like, even in the hardness of all of the nitty gritty stuff that the, it's like saint making, you know, like mm-hmm. we, there, there's part of us that desires mm-hmm. sainthood as much mm-hmm. as we desire to run from <laughs> suffering, but it's like, yeah. you know, so to hear, thank you for sharing anyways. Thank you yeah. so much. And we've only covered just one aspect of the difficulties in marriage and just on <laughs> the sexuality side, which is big, yeah. but there's also, yeah. there's the realities of cohabitation, child yeah. raising, yeah. finances. There's just and, and like how to manage your friendships outside. There's, it's just, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot else. Marriage Sweet. is, uh, marriage is, is good. We'll just have, yeah. we'll just have a whole series, you know, we'll just yeah. do like series of Don and James counts. Good. We'll do like Lent. <laughs> It'll be great. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. Oh my goodness. Today in yeah. episode 83, we're going to, <laughs> talk about 
sewing machines. Yeah, I thought it was going to be vacuuming. <laughs> oh, no, that's episode 84. That's right. Oh, good. Okay. This we is didn't good. really okay. get into the knives and the dishwasher thing. So we also. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's, that's got to be an episode. That's, that's actually yeah. kind of raw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, goodness. Man. All right. Well, on that note, let's move into Godwinks. So uh, I have a Godwink um, this week, and then I, we'll open it up to you, James. You don't have to share one, but you can, you're welcome to share oh, one if you want. Okay, oh, sweet. Um, so uh, for me, my Godwink this week is I, I ordered this bathing suit. I found this company called Modly, M-O-D-L-I, and it's from New York, and they do like modest swimsuits and stuff, and they're really beautiful. Um, anyway, so I ordered this swimsuit because I've been like swimming, whatever, at the pool in the summer, um, and I was like super pumped to get the swimsuit. I've been like tracking it. It hasn't been coming or whatever. <laughs> and then on um, on the one day where I was like, Lord, like I just, I mean, maybe maybe I shouldn't be swimming now because, you know, I'm paying a fee every time. And like uh, there's one medication that I take makes me sensitive to the sun and da, 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 da. And it was like at that moment, the doorbell rang and it was the delivery of this swimsuit. And I was <laughs> like, and it wasn't even supposed to come for another two days. So I was like, mm -hmm. all right, good. <laughs> I gotcha. Got the message. That's awesome. Yeah. Go swimming. Yeah. That's right. Worry not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how about you guys? What's your what's your Godwink? Oh, did you say yes, Godwink or no Godwink? I've got one. You oh, you got one. one. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Mm -hmm. So I've been running for the last couple of months, which has been a, a new adventure for me. And there's this little route that I take through town. I have to kind of lap around a few blocks and up and down a little path, and then I can get 5K in. It's a small town. And it's uh, it's quite a nice route. Um, the other day I was going along uh, this the, the, the gravel path, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, there was just like this cluster, like probably 8, 10 feet long on the side of the road of just these tiny little white flowers that had just appeared out of nowhere uh, since the last time that I had, uh, I had gone. And uh, it was, I don't know. I don't want to be that cheesy you know, nature hippie. It's like, Jesus is in nature, man. <laughs> but I really felt like, like God had put those there to, to mm. bless me on this new initiative that I'm doing for my, for my physical health. It's, it's, um, it was, yeah. You know, just a good moment of recognizing beauty. Mm, that's beauty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. beautiful. Love that. Yeah. See, this is good. Both of ours have to do with like exercise initiatives. So maybe this is <laughs> oh, right now. It's a meta god wing. It's a meta god buddy <laughs> who's listening right now, and they're like, "Well, is this good? Should I do? Maybe God is answering you. I don't know." Anyways, he's saying, "Do it. Do it." Do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, yeah. thank you so much for um, for joining us for the episode this week, James and Don. It's been like really awesome to have you. Okay, thank you so much. It's been a real honor. Thank you. <laughs> so nice to see you guys. You yeah. too. Yeah. Nice to see you as well. God bless you, all the God people listening, you. and we'll see you all next week. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.